Good morning, all seasons. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. I tell you, I just feel God's spirit here so strong. That, there's a reason for it, because I told you when I preached this last part of this series, I would give an altar call for what we have been talking about and the pursuit. And let me just be very plain about this. If, if you want to know what my heart is for this year, it is that every one of you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. That, that every person in this room would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Of all the things I can give you or could give into your life or to give you as a, as a help, a gift, it is the power, it is the presence, it is the relationship with the Holy Spirit that will make the difference. Anything you've ever seen about Pastor Lot that you think, oh, I want to be like or I, I admire him, or I, let me tell you something, it's all because of the Spirit. And there's, there is no Tim Lott version of walking for God. There is just simply walking in the Spirit. That's what Paul teaches us all the time. Learn to walk in the Spirit. Learn to live in the Spirit. Learn to pray in the Spirit. The Spirit is what separates us from everything else. What's happened in our world more than anything else is that we've tried to now, and I guess the best way to say it is in Moberg's law of how things work, he says there is seasons of every uh, company, every industry, everything. And what has happened, I think, so much in Christianity is the fact that we started out years and years and years ago, and in that process, we started out with just the vision, just no real structure, no real... And, and that may sound bad, but, but man, that is the coolest moment when you're just out there and you're just doing it. And we read about the disciples and we read about people in our history. We read about all of this and they're just standing there dying and giving their lives and bringing the gospel, writing the gospel for the first time, putting it in print, doing all the things. And, and it just sounds like we read those stories and it's so awesome. And then it gets to a point to where Moberg says that you have maximum efficiency. And I feel like in the 18, 1900s, early 2000s, we were just incredibly for missions to, man, we were covering the world and we can think of all the different organizations. And, and then something began to take place, and I don't know exactly when, I'm not trying to nail it down by the year. But Moberg says that what happens next is, is it goes into mechanicalism. We've learned to do what we can do. We, we know exactly what chair we're going to sit in. We know exactly how to raise our hands. We know exactly how to, and we, and, and we have it set. We, we know exactly how we praise versus other people. You know, some of us are just like, hey, when I praise, this is, this is what I do, and that's as far as I go. And everybody's kind of found their niche or their, their plateau, and, they, and they've learned, as Moberg says, whether it's a business or whether it's worship or whether it's church, we reach a point to where we can mechanically do it, can't we? We just get up on Sunday morning. We don't really have to be excited or not. We know where we're going. We know where we're going to sit. We've got our Bible. We've got everything laid out. We've kind of got it. We're not really expecting anything to happen that's going to change our lives. We hope Pastor Lot preaches a good sermon because I hate to have to got up as cold as it is and, and it really be a bad service. Come on. We could mechanically, in fact, we could probably teach someone right now, we could teach someone to come and do exactly what we're going to do. 
If we took someone off to the side and we just said, listen, here's what I want you to do this Sunday morning. On the second row, the third, that's where I want you to sit. Now, when the music plays, here's the way I want you to worship. Now, watch me, because this is how I do it. Now, I want you to, to just take my place this morning and do what I normally do. Look at the person beside you and say, could someone imitate you? Could somebody just take your place and, and, and there would be no difference if somebody else had done it than you did it? That's mechanicalism. And of course, the last phase of this is what he calls decline or death. Businesses die. And what happens is also in, in religion or in our Christian life, we start to decline. We start to miss, and we start to say, well, you know, I'll just catch it online later. No sense in getting up this morning. It's no. What's happening? What's happening is, is we were losing the life that we were meant to have, and this life comes through the Spirit. It's not us doing it. It's not us deciding it. It's us walking in the Spirit and living in the Spirit, and as we do, it becomes something new all the time. It becomes something, an adventure that, that is like, oh, wow, I, I don't know if I can do this. But the Spirit says, yes, you can. We're going to do this together. And you're stepping in the new territory, and things are an opening. Go in your Bibles, and, and let's look one more time uh, as we turn to Galatians. And I want to just kind of hit this one more time as we use it as our main scripture. Galatians 3. Oop, if I've got it. No, I'm good. good. I want to go back, but let's just, let's just go forward. Go to Galatians 5, Galatians 5 and verse 16. We won't have time to go all the way back. But in Galatians 3, in Galatians 4, the Apostle Paul said what he wanted more than anything else. In the book of Ephesians, he says, I want you to have the fullness of God. The fullness of God. And so in our lives, what we're after is the fullness. Well, we studied two of those areas in which we learned. Number one, we understood first that he wants to be the paraclete of our life. Anybody remember we studied that a few weeks ago? When we talk about the paracletus, the paracletus, it means the comforter or the guide or the teacher. And what the Holy Spirit wants to be more than anything in your life is he wants to be first the comforter. He wants to be a guide. He wants to be your teacher. He wants you to be understanding that I'm going to walk beside you and with you. I'm going to go into every classroom. I'm going to go into every situation and every circumstance and every trial. You're not going to go through anything that I'm not going to guide you through and direct you through. That's to bring us peace and joy and comfort. That's to give us a calmness that we are able to overcome whatever comes. The second thing we learned, which a couple weeks ago, we learned the second, which was dunamis. Dunamis power. Now, this just literally means power. It means the ability, and it's not intellectual power. It's not, it's not trying to manipulate someone kind of power. This power is the power that comes through the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament prophet said it this way, not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. 
And so when the Holy Spirit comes, what he wants to do is he wants to be your comfort, he wants to be your guide, he wants to direct, and any situation that comes and you are faced with, you are able to say, I have power to overcome this. I have power to be able to get past this. I have power, whatever power is needed, the same power that the Father has, the Son has, the Holy Spirit brings into our life and says, I am going to empower you to be overcomers. So today, let's deal with the third and the fourth. As we wrap this up, why do we need the Holy Spirit? What is the reason for the Holy Spirit? What's his purpose in our life? Well, not only does he want to be your comforter, not only does he want to be the power source of your life, but number three, he wants to be the transformational person of your life. The the Greek word for this is metamorpho which means to transform. The English word is where we get the word metamorphosis. You probably heard that in science, a metamorphosis. And so it comes from the Greek word metamorpho, which just literally means to transform. Go with me in your Bibles to Galatians 5 and beginning at verse 16, verses 16 through 26. And let me show you something. Galatians 5, verses 16 through 26. So I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the what? The flesh. That's, so he's, he's telling us that, listen, what I want to do through power and through being your guide and your comforter, if you will walk in me, if you will let me guide you, and you'll let, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a transformation that takes place in your life. So I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So they are in conflict with each other, so that you are not able to do whatever you want. This is what the Apostle Paul talked about in the book of Romans. Paul said, I'm in a a bad situation. The things I want to do, I can't do. And the things I would like to do, I find that within myself there's this war going on. And and, and I want to do good, I desire to do good, but there's this other member who is fighting against me. And when I want to do good, I seem to do bad. Or I seem to fall off. Or I seem like I can't. What he's describing is a walk of the flesh trying to live a godly life. Anybody ever struggle with that? You know what you want to do right. You know what you should do. You know you shouldn't have done that. You know you shouldn't have said that. You know you shouldn't think that. And you're like, come on. I I go to church. I I I listen to K-Love. I'm doing all this stuff. And how can I still, with all of this, be struggling? Listen, it's because naturally within inside of you, There is a constant battle going on. And if you try to in your own flesh, if you try to make New Year's resolutions, in fact, what we had last Monday, do you know what they called last Monday? Blue Monday. You know why they named that Blue Monday, the third, second second Monday, third Monday of the year? You know why they call it Blue Monday? In fact, uh, Songs have been written about it. Fats Domino, Blue Monday. You know why it's called Blue Monday? Because all the things you said the first of the year, you said you were going to do, 
Almost 99% of people have by that Monday already lost it. You done, you done eat that pizza, and you said I was going to lose 15 pounds. But don't worry, you drunk a Diet Coke with it, so it made you feel a little better. But what happens is they, they even set a day in our calendar called Blue Monday. Because people know that whatever you decided on January 1st, I am getting in shape. I am not doing this. I am changing my way. I am not. Within three weeks, you've already done went back. Why? Because there's a fight that's going on in your life. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not able to do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, he says, well, I guess I'm just stuck, Brother Lot. I, I guess, you know, I can't change. Isn't that what you hear Christians say? We all sin every day. We all sin a little bit. I, I just want to pop somebody in the head when they say that, especially a preacher. Like, what are you talking about? That's not even scriptural. Well, we all sin every day. We all sin a little bit. No, you don't. You shouldn't. Why? Because if you'd quit fighting the fight the way you're fighting it and change it, you can win. Because here's what he says. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and of like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit who? Will not inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot mix the two. Listen, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, of such which things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live in the Spirit, let us also keep in step in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. He says, listen, you can win this battle. You can overcome this. You can be victorious and have a whole different life. But the way it's going to happen is you've got to quit thinking that I'm just going to try harder and I'm going to work harder and I'm going to go to church more and I'm just going to try to do better and I'm going to listen to more Christian music and I'm just going to... Those things are wonderful. You need to pray more. You need to read your Bible more. You need to go to church more. You need to do all those things. But listen to me. Unless the Spirit is living and fighting and working inside of you, unless He is transforming your life, unless He is desi unless you've desired to let Him be the power of your life, the comforter of your life, and to transform your life, you are not going to win those battles you keep hiding. And yes, I said it, hiding. Because some of you in this room are hiding things that like, oh Lord, I don't want Brother Lot to know anything about that. I don't want my wife, I don't want my husband, I don't want I don't know all the struggles. Well, you got two choices. The Bible says that all things eventually is going to come out. So you can wait until it blows up and you can just, oh well. You're like, maybe it won't. No, 100% chance. It's going to. Or you can decide, I've got to change the strategy by which I'm living my life. I've got to change the strategy by which I'm losing this fight. I, 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 listen, 
In the world of the 21st century church, we think Christianity in more terms of addition and subtraction. That's how, we, that's how we see this modern Christianity. What happens in mechanicalism, and as we lose the walk in the Spirit, we start to become more mindset uh, set toward addition and subtraction and, and instead of transformation. We come to believe that what God wants to do in us is to add good things in our lives and to take the bad things out of our lives, right? That's, that's how we think. In fact, even while I'm, I'm preaching this, that's how you're thinking. Well, I know there's things I need to quit, and I know there's things I need to start doing. You think in terms of what? Addition and subtraction. When Jesus called his disciples, what did he simply just tell them to do? Follow me. He didn't say, Peter, you can follow me until you start cussing. Now, you start cussing, I'm going to send you back home. Is that what he said? No, he said, Peter, follow me. Well, don't you want me to change? In fact, Peter himself tells Jesus to get away from him. Remember? Jesus does the miracle of fish on the boat, and, and what does Peter do? The very first thing, he falls on his face and he says, get away from me. And I know what Peter's thinking. He's thinking, when I get some stuff right, when I get some things corrected, when I get to where I don't cuss so much and I'm a better person, then you can come back and we can talk. And there's people this morning that'll be in Walmart and not in church. Let me tell you what their problem is. It's not that they don't like church, not that they don't like God. It's, not, it's the fact that they can't come to grips with the fact that all God wants them to do is to walk in the Spirit by following Him and that God believes and knows that if they will just do that, the power that is within them is stronger than what they're facing and eventually it will work itself out and it will push out what it doesn't belong That's why we struggle in our churches. Because what we do is we make rules and, and, and decrees and laws and we say, if you do these things, you can stay in the church. If you break any of these rules, we're going to kick you out of the church. Why? Because we think in the form of addition and subtraction. And if you were to ask somebody, many people, if you invite them to church, man, you ought to go to church. No, man, I can't. I got a lot of stuff I got going. I, 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 I'm, I ain't nowhere near ready to go to church. Where did they get that from us? Because we're telling them all the time, look, you need to quit doing that. Look, God don't like you doing that. You need to stop that. And to them, that's what church is. It's addition and subtraction. And what we've done is, is that we've removed the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. Now, don't get me wrong. We still want the, the moments where we get goosebumps. And we still want him to move when we're singing. And we still want all of that. And, and, but at the end of the day, when it's all said and done and we say amen and walk out, it always goes back to, am I doing the right thing or am I doing the wrong thing? And the Apostle Paul, he mentions, he says, listen, I can make a list for you of the things that if you're doing this, you're not walking in the Spirit. You're not living in the kingdom. But he didn't look at them and say, now look, don't come back to church until you get those things right. 
He said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to surrender to the Spirit. I need you to surrender to God. I need you to surrender to the journey. Why? Because if you do, then what's going to start bubbling out of your life is love and joy and peace and gentleness and long-suffering and kindness and temperance. And, and all of this is what the Holy Spirit is going to start creating in you that's going to replace what used to be in your life. I was teaching this some Wednesday. Go with me in your Bible to Mark 4 and 26. Mark 4 and 26. So this addition and subtract, it's not the heart of the New Testament. It is, it is counterproductive to what God is wanting to do. Let me show it to the way Jesus described it. And I, I, if you want to go back and study this on the heart, I taught for two weeks last, the last two Wednesday nights on the heart. But now, here's what he says. He, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And then he goes into, hey, there's a, there's a lot of rules, and if you obey the rules, good things happen to you. But if you break some of the rules, bad things happen to you. No, that's not what he says. He says, let me describe what the kingdom of God is like. And here's what he says. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, doesn't matter what the man does. It all depends on the seed whether he's put good seed in the ground, whether he's put the word, whether he's allowed the spirit to enter in and to get into his life. Here's what happens. The seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know. Look at the person beside you and say, I don't know how you're going to grow. Look at him. Just look at him smile. I don't know how you're going to get over that addiction. Say, look at them and tell them, I don't know how you're going to get past that junk. Bro, Lodge, you mean you don't know? I ain't the foggiest idea how God heals a drug addict. I don't know what he does. I don't know how God heals cancer. I don't know how God saves someone and transforms their life instantaneously. Somebody that was one way and then all of a sudden you meet them and they're transformed. I don't understand all that. No more than somebody throws seed on the ground and understands why weeds and stuff keeps growing. I have no idea. I know they study it and they try to tell you all this, but they don't, have, they don't know. They just know what happens. And he says, guess what? It's the same way in the kingdom of God. He said, let me describe the kingdom of God. It's a man who throws seed, and when he throws seed, he ain't got the foggiest idea why it works. He just knows it works. If you see that farmer that's done plowed his field and sown his grain and everything, he's down at the quick stop eating sausage and biscuit for two or three, four weeks. Well, he ought to be out there working. You ought to be nothing to do. Seeds in the ground. Only thing we need now is just time. But it may not grow. Oh, it'll grow. It'll grow. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grow, though he does not know how. All by itself. When I allow the Spirit of God in my life and I allow him to reign and rule by his self, what he's put in me, he makes it grow. 
It, it, is, it is one of the hardest things to accept. It's one of the hardest things. I have three children, and I've spent my entire life throwing seed, throwing seed, trying my best to, to, to oh, Lord. Just, just, and and, and, and I, I do like everybody else. What else could I do? What else? What, maybe I can. Maybe I can I get them something. Maybe I can. Maybe I can. I can send them a Walmart gift card or something. Maybe I can do something. God, is there something I can let them know that I care? Something I point them. Help, can I help them get to you? Nathan went off and for a couple years, just in all the transition, trying to find a place. Trying. I'm like God. What can I do? What? You know what God kept telling me? He's, he's got good stuff in him. Did you put good? Did you put good stuff? Well, I did my best. I, I tried to be. I tried to do the best. I tried to tell him about you. I've took him to church. I've, I've, I've told him about you. He, he, he got received you in, in, at a young age and, and got baptized and he's given his life to you and he's, he's. Well, God, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what. What can I do? Nothing. And then this last week or so, he, he calls and says, hey, I've, I've, I found a place. And real humorously, he's kind of got involved. And here in the next little bit, he'll be playing the drums for the church that he's going to. How did that happen? Boy, Brother Lot, tell me how that, how'd you do that? I don't have the foggiest idea. I don't know how he got from there to there or how God got a hold of him in there and how he met so I don't know I just know the seed was good and I kept throwing it because that was my job and I don't have to understand why it works and I don't have to understand how it happens I don't have to understand I just know it works all by itself the soil produces the grain all by itself first the stalk then the head then the full kernel in the head as soon as the grain is ripe he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come and somebody look at you and say boy you grew something great and you're smiling thinking I have no idea how this grew but I am sure glad God's faithful I'm glad he's faithful. So some of you in this room, you're going to struggle with, like, what else can we do? I don't know. I'll tell you what you can do. Believe that what you put in them is good. And just say, God, I put it in them, and I don't know how long it's going to take to grow. I don't know when it's going to grow. I don't know when the rain's going to fall. I don't know what's going to But I know this much. It's in them. And, 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 and you said it's good. And you said in due time it'll come forth, and it'll come forth as a sprout, and then it'll come forth as a stalk, and then it'll put forth the wheat, and then they'll have a harvest. And I don't understand it, God, but I'm just going to praise you like a farmer that goes to the quick stop and just starts drinking uh, uh, Cokes and eating sausage and biscuit and said, look, it's, it's in the ground now. It's done. I ain't worried about it no more. God, I'm trusting you. And I know that's hard because here again, we think in addition and subtract. God, maybe if I do this, you'll do more for me. Maybe if I, God, if you'll just do this, I promise I'll quit this. Anybody ever go into all them well, you cutting deals, you, you got it. God says, just follow me. Or follow the Spirit that leads you. And watch what happens in your life. 
He says this, again, what shall I say the kingdom of God is like? Or, or what parable shall we use to describe? He's, he's trying to get them to understand the kingdom of God. And you know what he uses next? The mustard seed. But here's the thing. We mess the mustard seed up. We, we, we pull that little mustard seed out and we think, well, if you just had faith like a mustard seed, that's not what the story's about. Listen to what he says. Yet... When planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants. Go back with me. Go back to verse 30. It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Okay. What good would me doing that make? What good would me taking them to church do? What good would me just sending a scripture to them do? What good would me just, just if I hear a sermon and I, and, and, and I, and I think, what's well, a good sermon? I, and I send it to them, the YouTube. Stuff. What, what good? I mean, it's just a little bitty thing that I'm doing and it can't count for a whole lot. And that's what the enemy does to you. You're not doing enough. You should do more. You could do better. You could do. And, and he says, think about a mustard seed. He said, it don't seem to have no effect. It's so small, but... But there's one thing that it can be done. When it is planted. That mustard seed is of no value unless you put it in the soil. And when you plant it, watch what happens. When you plant it, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden. So much the branches that the birds can perch in its shades. What you thought was insignificant and unimportant, the Spirit, you're just walking in the Spirit, you're just going along. Think about where we are as a church. We just, we just 20 years ago, oh, we need to get out of the forest and just get, find a place, and we do that. Well, we think we, we, and then, oh, we need a gym. We need a gym. You know, we need a gym just because we need more Sunday school classes, we need more of this. You know what? Down the road, God, you're like, we, we need God's way. We need this. Hey, we need this sanctuary. We need, God, what is that? And then all of a sudden you find out, oh, God's doing something over in the yard over there, and there's stuff going on over there, and, 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 and they got stuff going on. And then all of a sudden there's stuff over here, and, and you just keep planting one little seed, and, and before long you wake up one day, and people walk around and they're like wow I had that moment last night and I don't I don't take time enough to do it I need to take more time to do it but I don't because I'm so busy just planting seeds and keeping going and, that I don't take time to look behind me and just see wow I think back to 20 something years ago when we were going to go to Nashville Tennessee and I was going to take a men's trip and, and we were going to go and, and see this, you know, David Brainerd, a, a different, I mean, different, different speakers and, and different people that were speaking over, over in Nashville as a men's conference, like promise keepers. And man, we were so fired up. And I invited some guys and invited the church. And I said, guys, let's, let's go. And I had two. Me and these two guys, we loaded up, went to Nashville. And man, we were talking about, we thought we were just so... Man, we were doing it. And last night, I sat there at a restaurant on the end, and I looked down, and there was 24 guys just eating dinner together. And that's not even scratching the surface to all the guys there are. But it was just like 
just somebody just called a few of them. Somebody just said, hey, we're just going to go meet. If anybody can want to meet, we're going to meet. And if you didn't get on that list, just see Sam Jackson because he left you off. I'm sorry. It's his fault. So you'd be mad at him. It wasn't me. I didn't schedule it. It's all Sam Jackson's fault. So if you got your feelings hurt, it was him. So look, I didn't get invited. But I looked down and just, they were all talking and laughing and talking about God and church and what God. And I'm thinking, it's like a mustard seed. What good will it do? What good would that, I mean, what good? One day you look up in the whole field, and I wish I, if you ever have a chance, look up mustard seed around Galilee. It's not one little plant. It covers a field. It'll just turn a whole field yellow. And it's just a little bush, and, and, and it grows, and, and the birds, and they get up in there. And, and he said, think of a little mustard seed. All of a sudden you wake up one day, and it's covering everything. How did it get there? I don't know. Where'd it come from? I don't know. But I know this much. Somebody put it in the ground. Because until it touched the ground, it couldn't do what it was meant to do. And your battle every day is the enemy saying, it won't matter. It's, it, it's not matter. And the Spirit's job is to say, follow me. Just do that one little thing. Do that next thing. Let me give you some scriptures to... When we talk about transformed, go with me to John 3 and 3. John 3 and 3. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom unless they are born again, until they're planted, until they're transformed. You can't see it. Until you allow God to transform you. Go with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are, and the new is. See, what we think is, when we see that, is we think, an ab, we think of addition and subtraction. We think of, okay, when God came, everything of my old life died, and everything now is, right? And then in, and in when the old things keep creeping back into your life, what do you feel like? Trash. Because you're like, I guess I didn't get it right. Because, because, because what does it say? If anyone is in Christ, the old stuff is gone and the new has but think of it as a seed when you plant the seed the old is gone what's the only thing that can come up the new the old is gone but the new is here. That's how God does it. Now inside that, that plant growing, is there still some remnants? Is there still some pieces? Is there still some from what they used to be in the seed? Yeah, from the seed everything was started. But that old seed is still dead in the ground. What used to be you is gone. 
And now, look, it's new. Let me show it to you in another way. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I wish I had time just to teach all this really, really good. Are you getting it? I hope so. I really do. Listen to what he says. Here's how Paul describes it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be, there's the word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you see it? You have to, a living sacrifice, follow, give, and God says, that's what I need. If you do that, then watch and see if I don't transform your life into something that you never even thought it could be, like a mustard seed, like, like a, a, a farmer who throws seed and doesn't understand. You don't have to. That's the work of the Spirit. See, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't have to be an architect to do all this. I don't have to be the smartest person in the world to do all this. I don't have to be the greatest pastor in the world to pastor a church. I don't, I don't have to have it all figured out. At all. all I have to do is know that I'm going to walk and live and, and have my life in the Spirit. And the Spirit who knows and is able to do, he says, Tim, I'm going to be your comforter. I'm going to be your guide. Tim, whatever power you need, I'm going to give you whatever power. If you need to pray for sick people, I'm going to empower you to pray for sick. If you need to have faith, I'm going to give you power to have faith. Tim, I'm going to be there. I'm going to transform your life. If you could stand the Tim Lot that was here 27 years ago and the Tim Lot that is right here right now and put us side by side, it's the same person. The difference is, is that time that it took to transform into this. In your life, it works the same way. It is the transformation that God wants to do in your life. Let me put it to you this way. The battle. The problem with, go back to, with me to Galatians. Back to Galatians 5. And let's pick up at verse 20. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, envies, drunkenness, orgies alike, which I've warned you before. Verse 21. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit. My decisions, such as they are, do not result in action. Something has gone wrong deep within me. It gets better every time. But it's pretty obvious that not all of my joins in me are delight. Parts of me, they want to do right, but they don't. That's what Paul is speaking about all the time. He said, listen, there's this battle that is going on. And what it requires more than anything else in your life is transformation. You cannot go any further unless you decide that I want the Spirit of God to be the transforming power of my life. We have a battle right now. 
our school systems, our academia of this world, they understand the power of transformation. We have an enormous battle right now over what we're going to teach and not teach in schools and what we're going to... Why? Because here's what they understand that many times we don't understand in the church. They don't need a kid to come to kindergarten and then by three days into kindergarten have it all figured out. They realize that if we can teach what we want to teach and we can keep doing it, that by the time that child grows up, we will have transformed him. And they will think like we think. And they will act like we act. That's why when you look at schools, you look people of that understanding, they don't want to just teach math and science and history and teach kids how to add two plus two. They, they got a way deeper. And sometimes we don't understand that in the church. Listen, I really ain't here to teach you about Daniel and the lion's den. I know it sounds crazy. I'm not really here to teach you about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm really not even here to teach you about Jesus. What I'm here to do is to put you under the presence of the Holy Spirit so that over the course of time, He will transform you into the image of Christ and you will think like and walk like. How does that happen? It happens because you're renewed by the renewing of your mind by being transformed. The world understands it, but it seems like the church doesn't. We think we can do whatever we want, listen to whatever we want, act any way we want, and show up on Sunday and like, I got it. And wonder why it don't, don't work. It's because you're being transformed every day of your life. What you watch on news all the time, it keeps making you get so mad, it's transforming you. What you listen to, what you're, it's transforming you. We have a world right now in total chaos. You know why? Because the powers that be want it to be total chaos. It's much easier to teach in chaos than it is when everything is good. Let me see if I can show it this way. If we can get to the point to where we can live in a transformed life, it brings us to number four. The fourth one is charisma. Charisma. Why is it so important to be transformed, Brother Lot? Let me show you. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 7. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 7. Why is it so important for him to be my comforter? Why is it so important for him to be that guide? Why is it so important for him to be my power source? Why is it so important for him to transform my life? Why? Here's why. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or the other you were influenced, notice the word, and led astray by mute idols, transformed. Somehow when you were 
out there in the world, what you listened to and what you took in, guess what? It made you who you were. It transformed you into who you were. Next verse. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the... He says, here's where it begins in your life. Nobody can be walking around and cursing God and, and, and saying GD and saying everything else and then at the same time think they have an understanding or a relationship of God. No more than anyone who says, listen, therefore I want you to know, whoever speaks of the Spirit of God, Jesus is cursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except what? And notice he didn't say that I believe in Jesus. That's not what he's saying. No one can say that Jesus is Lord. That means king of all, reigns, rules, is my Lord, my, my master. He reigns and rules in my life. Nobody can say that unless it's through the Spirit. Remember, because why? He has to become my comforter. He has to become my guide. He has to become my power. He has to become all of this. And if I do, then... It becomes natural for me the direction I'm pointing. Why is that important? Listen to what it says. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Charisma. Gifts. There are different kinds of services, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in every one, it is the same God that's doing the work. For to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common. Why, Brother Lot, is it so important? Why? For me to be full of the Spirit, to be walking in the Spirit, for me to be transformed by the Spirit. Why is it so important for Him to be the Lord of my life? Why is it so important? Why are you pushing this so hard? Here's why. You know, there's two types of Olympics that they have every year. They have the regular Olympics, and they have another kind. What's it called? Special Olympics. What's the difference between Special Olympics and, and the regular Olympics? They're both called the Olympics. What's different? One has something wrong in their body. Some, something in their body, whether, whether they, they have Down syndrome, whether they, they're missing a limb, whether they are, they're, 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 but something makes them to where they cannot compete or think or operate at the highest level of what we would call normalcy. So we look at them and we say, they're special. They're special. Why, Brother Lot, is it so important for us to walk in the fullness? Because why? 
for each one of the manifestations is given for the common do you not understand that every one of us in this room make up the body of Christ in our church every one of you in this room makes up a part of the body of Christ in the All Seasons Worship Center and if you don't perform or you don't allow God to use your gifts to touch everyone around you the best of your ability then you have created within our church we are a special church we're not a we're not a whole church we're not we're not we're not a productive church we're a special church it means that people look at us and realize now they're not all together they're missing some things. They're special. And God never intended for His church to be looked at as a special church or an incomplete church. You know it when you walk in one. You know it when you sit in service of one. You're like, something just ain't right. They just, you know, it was okay, but it's just something, the Spirit just wouldn't. What was it? Well, let's read. For each one of the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. Next verse. Let's read a little further. For to one is given the spirit of the message of wisdom. There's inside our church, there should be wisdom. There should be teaching. There should be, and I love the fact that, hey, you need to be part of our men's group. You need to be part of our, why? Because wisdom is part of what we do. That makes us a whole church. To another, the message of knowledge. We don't want to be standing up here reading the Clarion Ledger every week. I don't want to be up here talking about coronavirus and talking about everything, every single... That's not what we're called. We've been given the spirit of knowledge. God's given us His Word. God's given us the ability to speak into every issue and every problem and every situation according to His power. God says, I've given you that ability through the Spirit. I've given you special abilities from time to time to have special knowledge, special wisdom to another faith by the same Spirit. Look at the person beside you. Say, you like faith? Wouldn't want to go to church if they don't have no faith. We have everything in our church but faith. We really don't think anything good's going to happen. Well, that would be discouraging. But I can carry you to places that have everything but faith. They keep their CDs. They keep their money close to them. Why? Because you never know if people are going to leave us. We've got to be able to pay the bills. We've got to pay the light bill. Man, we don't want to do too much. We don't want to stretch out too much. Faith. How about to another the gift of healing? That's a gift in the church. If there's sick people in our church, we have the ability to be able to say, come on, let's get you healed. Really? Yeah. It's part of our gifts. Knowledge, wisdom, healing, faith. What else? To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits or discernment. Sometimes we'll, we'll be doing things and we just realize something just don't feel right about that. Sometimes we'll bump into people come to our church. 
You know, they just, uh, something just ain't right there. That's discernment. Keeps you out of trouble. Keeps you safe. It's all right. Your spider senses go off. Start tingling. That's a good thing. I, I want to have all of that. I want to be able to discern and walk away and say, Elise, don't trust that one. And she's like, why? I said, just trust me. I'm just telling you, I don't know all the details. I'm just telling you, something ain't right. Would you like to not have that in your church? I like that in my church. I like miracles and healings and all that's the gifts of the Spirit. But here's the thing. He's not going to do it through a pagan person. So he's saying, I'm trying to find and let you take me on as your comforter, your guide, your teacher. Let me be your power. Let me be your leader. Let me, let me be the one that transforms your life. Why? Because I want to perform charisma through you. I want to give you gifts. Not just give you gifts, but listen to what he said before in verse 7. Every one of you has one. Every one of you sitting in this room has it. It's just whether you allow God to use it. Oh, but there's a couple more. That I'm going you know, to mess everybody up here. And to another, the speaking in different kinds of Brother Lot, I really, I was on your, uh, you know, I like the healing thing and I like all this, but I don't go for that other. Well, I'm sorry, you don't get to choose. Look at the person beside you and say, you ain't God. God thought that's a pretty good thing you need in the church. But it's okay because you have different kinds of tongues and still another, the interpretation of those tongues. All of that's part of what God wants to in the Spirit to create a healthy home and not have a special church. It breaks my heart. And, and I love the fact that there's passion and there's, there's all these different conferences and all this stuff that we do. But what breaks my heart is, is that the same thing that we rejoice in and we get excited about and we go to conferences and we do all that is the same stuff we would never let take place in our own church. Oh, we'll send our kids and they can jump and holler and man, praise God and worship God and do all that. and Man, you know we don't do that stuff here. I'm like, quit being a special church. Quit being what God didn't call you to be. Be the person God called you to be in the Spirit so God can make you the church He wants you to be in the Spirit so that the world can be transformed. Well, how do I do that, Brother Lot? It's real simple. You just decide to follow. Well, how's He going to do? Just like a farmer don't know how the grass grows and how the plants grow, I have no idea what He's going to put you through. I don't understand all the journey. I don't understand, but I know this much. He will cultivate and he will bring out of you exactly what God's called you to be. And that's the beauty of my God. And here's the great thing. It will become a productive part of the church, just like my son, taking the gifts that God gave him, now 800 miles away, those gifts travel with him. But here's the thing. How many days and how many years did we say, hey, 
going up in there and practice them drums. Hey, I could have said, you know what, son, I can't play an instrument. So I can pretty much guarantee you can't. You know what, we just don't do that in our family. You know what, we're not buying no drum set and putting it in the house because, Lord, we're not going to have that noise all over the house. There's a million ways I could have in my flesh said, mm-mm. God says, Tim, he's on a journey with me. And you don't understand how he's going to grow or how I'm going to use him. Just know it'll be different than you. And that's okay. The question is, will I allow God to fill me with his fullness so that I can discover and he can use what he put inside of me from the time I was born? Maybe it's encouragement. Maybe it's healing. Maybe you're a... I watch people all the time and I I look at... Mark and Bubba and all them go down to the jails and do all they're doing. And and I see other people visiting hospitals and and doing what they're doing. And and I think, wow. Do you know what you're called to be? Do you know where you fit in the body? If you don't, then get full of the Spirit and let Him show you. My wife... So you're not going to see her run, jump. If you ever see her walk across pews, you please video it. Because I've never seen it. She's very good at, at paperwork and business. She's very organized. She is a, a fanatic in doing that kind of stuff. And she's great at that. And that's God's gift, administration. You know, that's a gift. Gift of administration. You're like, well, that ain't a gift. Yeah, it's a gift. It keeps everything straight. Believe me, if I was taking care, we'd be in a lot of issues. Administration's a good gift. And I could look at her and say, well, you need to be more like, man, you need to get more like me. You need to start worshiping like me. You gotta, you know, I need you to start preaching more. At least say, I don't preach. Sometimes she wants to after I've kind of used her as an example. She's like, oh, I just, I said, well, here's the mic. Oh, no, never mind but she's found her place and she's productive in the kingdom of God and she's a blessing to our church. Just like many of you who work in different areas and listen, over this next season of all seasons, this is what's going to make or break us. It's whether how many people line up and say we're going to be a whole body. We're going to have prayer people and we're going to have people who care. We're going to have people who shake hands at the door. We're going to... We're going we're gonna to be full. When people walk in, they're going to find what it is they need. But they're going to find it. If they need prayer, we got people that do that. If, we, if they need somebody to talk to, we got people that do that. We, if you need a class, we got people that teach that. We got, you know what? We are a body. We're ready. We're ready for whatever God sends. And the Bible says God adds to the church daily as should be added. I don't even grow a church. I just get it as healthy as possible. And God says, I'll start sending them. Will you stand? I know you got to get to classes and I'm fixing to dismiss. And 
But this year, this year, I want this to be our thrust. I want, I want this to be our, our mindset of allowing the Holy Spirit, getting comfortable at just listening, following, getting comfortable at worshiping, getting comfortable to just moving in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Not just for you, but for a harvest that is probably bigger than you can even imagine. Bigger than you could ever even think that your life could have produced. I always love to say the saying, somebody was Billy Graham's Sunday school teacher. Somebody was Billy Graham's Sunday school teacher. Somebody sat there every week trying to get old Billy to listen, trying to get Billy to memorize him verses. And Lord, I don't know if Billy will ever turn out all right. Just going to keep loving on that boy. Somebody used their gifts. Somebody did what they were called to do in the kingdom. And it made a difference. If all of us do that, and I know you use this, bro, a lot, I'm not, remember I told you, it's not about adding and subtracting, it's just about you following. If it was a matter of, hey, when we all get right, perfectly right, then we'll start doing, none of us would be doing ministry. But in the process of doing it, just watch how your life is transformed. That's the magical work of the Spirit. So this is the thrust this year. Watching all seasons grow from the inside out. Watching seeds become trees. Watching lives become what they were meant to be. And watching that impact our world. But it can start this morning. If you're here, and I'm fixing to dismiss, but if you're here, you say, Pastor, I'm ready for that. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. But I need that. Or maybe in your life it has kind of dried up and and it's like, you know what, Pastor, I I listen way more to the flesh than I am the Spirit these days. I I used to just be able to just, just... Man, I was ready to take on hell with a water gun. I was so excited about as the Spirit was leading me. But now I think more of what could go wrong and I think more of in my flesh of what people would say or what would happen or how it's going to change my life. Maybe I'm not ready. It's not the right season. And I I overthink it all now. Brother Lord, I, I just need to be filled. A fresh and a new field. That's okay. Because as I said a few weeks ago, we like we have holes in us. We have to constantly refill and refill. That's a good thing. That keeps it fresh. That keeps our relationship with Him fresh. 
So as I pray this dismissal prayer, if you're someone that says, Pastor, I need to come. I need you to pray with me. I need, I need to start. I need to move into this. I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I need, I need the fullness of God in my life. Then I can honestly tell you, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. This place was built not, not out of flesh. This place was built to give the Holy Spirit all the space He needs to change lives. And I don't ever want that to change. Father, this year I know through all the stuff that's going on in the world and all the stuff that we're going to have and the chaos that we have to wade through, I know the enemy in this old world is going to try to just drown us out. Just try to drown us out with just trying to do right or be right or just try to hang on. But God, my prayer this year is that your Holy Spirit would allow us, even at a time where the world says it's a bad time to do anything, <laughs> that the Holy Spirit says it's a great time to do something. It's a great time to do something. That's my prayer this year. Holy Spirit, that's my desire that you've given me. And I pray that upon them today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.